The Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 34, Alternative Sources. I know you're there, Ginger. Mr Bell's voice surrounded us in stereo. I tracked the GPS signal on your phone. I know what you're up to, and I think it's high time you stopped playing these childish games and let me in. Danny groaned. GPS tracking. That's how he keeps finding us. Should have known. I jabbed the intercom button. I know what you're up to, Mr B. Dr Wilson told us. If you think we're going to let you sell Terry's machine on the black market, you've got another thing coming. Excuse me? For a few moments, there was nothing but white noise. Then suddenly, a loud, seal-like bark echoed around us. Mr. Bell was laughing. Is that what all this has been about? He said, once he'd gotten a grip. You think I'm some sort of spy? My dear, your father sent me to watch over you, and that's exactly what I've been trying to do. Although you haven't made it easy for me, I've been running ragged the last few months trying to keep an eye on you. Mr. Bell knew you were alive? All this time? Oh, that was just peachy. But don't think I was about to spill all our secrets, Dad. Just because Mr. Bell knew, it didn't mean he was on our side. Dr. Wilson, I spluttered. Your father's colleague, Dr. Wilson, is dead, I know, Mr. Bell said. Dr. Wilson is why I came to visit you and Kat in the first place. An associate tipped me off that Wilson had bought a flight to Maruchidor. It seemed too much of a coincidence that he'd be so close to the family of his old colleague. When you started asking about the machine, I knew my instincts were correct. Your sudden interest in Terry's work struck me as highly irregular. But Dr. Wilson told us to watch out for spies. Did he specifically say that I was a spy? Well, no, I said. But you kept turning up everywhere. What were we supposed to think? The sound of Mr Bell's sigh filled the lap. Ginger, I never cease to wonder how you're quite willing to align yourself with people you hardly know, yet you're always so critical of those close to home. Some of us are trying to help you. Mr B's observation simmered in my belly. I think we both know, Dad, why I have trust issues. It doesn't take a crash-hot physicist to work it out. I glanced at the intercom and said nothing. Mr Bell heaved another sigh. I think we can both agree there's been a simple misunderstanding. Now, do you think you could let me in so I could explain the real purpose of my visit? How can I be sure you're for real and not just telling me a story? Mr Bell smiled as he withdrew something from his jacket pocket. Because I've got this. It's the missing piece of paper from Terry's notebook, and without it, you've very little hope of finishing that machine I know you're building. He unfolded the slip of paper in his hand and held it up to the security camera. There was a detailed diagram, some notes scrawled underneath, and at the top, an inscription. For you, Bell. Keep them safe. Denny leaned in to get a closer look. It matches the writing from your dad's notebook. He turned, seeking my approval with his eyes. He could be legit, right? Mr Jansen nudged between us, a feverish light in his eyes. 
He studied the page on the screen for a moment before saying, David? Let him in. A few minutes later, there was a buzz at the laboratory door. I'll get it, Betty said as she disappeared down the corridor. She returned a couple of minutes later with two men in tow. One of them was Mr B. The other man, a tall burly bloke, said, Okay to leave him with you, Mr Jansen? Yes, David, you're right to go. If he gets out of hand, I'll use the taser. Mr J said it with a poker-straight face. Mr B reached down and smoothed out his pressed seal skin of a suit. His expression remained unchanged, but I caught the flicker of uncertainty in his eyes. I fought to hide my grin. Sometimes you just gotta love Mr J. I launched at Mr B straight out of the gate. How long have you known? Mr B's brow furrowed. How long have I known what you've been up to, you mean? I sighed. That'd be a start, I suppose. But I want proper answers. It's not like I'm asking the impossible, like to guess how old Cat is or something. You know what's going on. And from what you've just said, you've known it for a long time. Mr Bell laughed, a raspy, ossified laugh. The stuffy old geezer. I'd never seen him so cheerful. I don't think anyone knows how old Cat really is, except perhaps Terry. As for when I worked out what was going on, I must confess it took me a few days to piece it together. The same week Wilson landed in town, I saw you slinking out of the picture theatre. Something didn't feel right, so I followed you to the school. Denny frowned, his expression a mixture of shock and relief. That was you who we saw in the bushes? Mr B nodded. When Dr Wilson's death appeared in the papers the following day, I was certain there was something sinister afoot. And of course you two had to keep slinking off and disappearing. You gave me such a fright that night I saw your bikes outside the surf club. I thought you'd been abducted. But it didn't end there. I'd barely managed to get you safely home before you were hopping into an unfamiliar car and driving out into the desert. I ran a quick plates check and it came up with Jansen. For all I knew, he'd discovered the blueprints, wanted them for himself, and had plans to bury you under a salt bush. Mr J roared with laughter. Hey, that's a bit rough, mate. Mr B raised an eyebrow and continued. When I followed you out here and you didn't come out again that evening, I called in a favour with one of my senior military friends. My suggestion was to storm the building. He convinced me to go with body heat signatures. He assured me you were okay. Betty giggled. So you were also the one chasing us through the desert? I knew it, I said, elbowing Danny in the ribs. I told you so. Oof, he said. Does your being right need to be so painful? But he was smiling. Better Mr B than Mr Makepeace. We both knew it. Mr Bell continued. When you returned to the Janssen's compound a couple of days later, I had to assume you'd found Terry's blueprints and were getting assistance to build the machine. At that point, I decided to keep a really close watch on you, Mr Bell said. And as I mentioned, it hasn't been easy. I probably could have helped you earlier if it hadn't taken me so long to figure out your plan. But you should also know I've spoken with Terry about it, and although he's reluctantly agreed to assist you, he's none too happy about your little scheme. My heart kicked up a notch. You spoke to Terry? I suppose Jim filled you in on all the details, did he? It's good to know he came through after all. We were beginning to think he was a dead loss. Mr Bell blinked. Jim? Terry?
Harry's friend. As far as I know, he's been trying to stop a logging in Tasmania for the past few weeks. He's not the type to carry a mobile, and if he does happen to have one on hand, he'll be getting a rather iffy signal. My goggles slipped from my hand, hitting the floor with a thud. I turned to Danny, my throat suddenly dry and croaky. Jim's line did sound a little crackly, didn't it? Danny's face was almost as pale as the first time Freya drove through the garage wall. Uh, I don't remember. A frown crinkled Betty's brow. Her mouth formed a question, but Mr J cut in too fast. Never mind that, Jim fellow, he said with a chuckle. Let's have a look at the diagram. Belle, you're just in time. We're about to do a test run. He plucked the sheet of paper from Mr Bell's hand and gestured towards the tokamak. Mr Bell looked around the room, eyebrows steadily rising as his gaze travelled over the expanse of metal and lights. Is this it? It's a lot bigger than I thought. Mr Jansen laughed and pointed to the base of the metal monolith, where a small black box the size of a milk crate nestled. That is Terry's machine. This, he tapped a conduit, sending a hollow ring echoing throughout the room, is the power source. Oh, Mr Bell said. I thought it looked a lot different from the schematics. Aren't you worried something of that size will blow your little machine to smithereens? Mr Jansen shrugged and said with a smile, Beggars can't be choosers, you know. Between the four of us, we filled Mr B in on our dramas of the past few weeks. The race to devise an effective power source for your machine, the antimatter harvesting, and Mr J's reluctant but prudent decision to release it back into the clouds. The other spectacular and not-so-spectacular failures, all leading to our final adoption of the tokamak. I missed out on a lot of the good stuff, I said, waggling a finger at Mr B. Thanks to you following us around everywhere. He smiled impassively. It's a comfort to know I'm not the only one who has found the journey frustrating at times. Mr J paced on the spot. Yes, yes, but my friends, we're finally at the destination. Let's not waste precious time on reflections. Belle, how much do you know about Terry's power source? I love a challenge, but building it from scratch may be a stretch. We'll have to rummage through the lab stores to see if we have the materials. Maybe you won't need them, Mr Bell smiled, that titanium smile of his. I didn't just bring the notebook, I also brought this. He reached for his inside jacket pocket and produced a long silver object. A pen, Betty said. Not a pen, dear girl, a tea pinch. Terry's own special device for driving the deuterium-tritium fusion reaction, and might I say, a fraction of the size of that gargantuan beast. Mr Jansen looked at the tea pinch like he was sizing up a triple-decker ice cream sandwich and wondering if he could devour it in one bite. Where'd you get that? Terry gave it to me, Mr Bell said. It was the one part of the device he took with him when he went on the run. His insurance policy, if you like. But if he doesn't like what we're trying to do, why'd he give it to you? Danny said. He thinks you're taking a big risk in building this thing, but he understands why you're giving it a go. This is his way of giving you a little nudge in the right direction and at the same time making sure you don't blow yourselves up. Mr Bell nodded in the direction of the bodged up cables looping between your machine and the tokamak. Now I'm no scientist, 
and I don't presume to know how it fits into that little box over there, but I'm confident that with this missing page, you could figure it out. In the meantime, I don't want to appear disinterested in the task at hand, but it has been a long day. I could really do with a coffee, all the better if it's Irish. Betty moved as if to lead Mr Bell to the kitchen, but I stepped between them, slipping my hand into the crook of Mr Bell's arm. I'll take him, I said. The room fell silent. The others peered at me through narrowed eyes. My hand closed around Mr Bell's arm like he was a toy about to be taken away. What? I said. Betty tilted her head. You've been complaining all these weeks about not being allowed in the lab. It's surprising that you're offering to miss out, that's all. She was right, Dad. Ordinarily, the others would have had to forcibly remove me from the lab at the threat of missing out on getting my hands dirty, especially on a day like today, when we were so close to making this thing of yours work. But this felt like my one chance, my one opportunity to grill Mr B, and maybe, just maybe, having a hope of getting some honest answers. I took a step toward the door. Mr Bell followed. You've all managed this far without me. I'm sure you'll manage for the next half hour or so without stuffing things up. I grinned. Besides, I'm pretty sure it's going to take you at least that long to work out how you're going to connect that pen thing to Terry's machine. Danny rolled his eyes. Just go. We'll call you if things get interesting. Mr Jansen called after us as Mr Bell and I were halfway out the door. Oh, freckles. While you're in the kitchen, could you ask Mrs Blanche to send our dinner across in the dumbwaiter? I have a feeling it's going to be a long night. <laughs>